It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. From NJ.com and the Star Ledger, welcome to the Rutgers Rant, your one-stop podcast for the Scarlet Knights. With your hosts, Steve Politi and Rutgers insiders Brian Fonseca and James Crash. Let's start shopping. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to The Rant. Big, big show. Big, big stuff. Wild weekend. Uh, Before we get started, though, I want to thank Chris Palladino and the New Brunswick Development Corporation. Fellas, Devco is back as our sponsor for 2022. We are a sponsored podcast. Very exciting stuff. Thank you, Chris. Uh, I know he's one of the biggest fans of Rutgers going, so this is uh, exciting stuff for us. Uh, all right, let's set the scene. You know, we're down in Piscataway, Selection Sunday. I got to admit, when I walked into the building, I don't know how you felt, Brian. I, I just, just that, that, that little bit of uneasiness. And I think that like, 22 years of covering Rutgers has rubbed off on me in some ways where you just, I mean, you just expect things will not go the way that Rutgers fans hope it will go. You're in that room. You know, Steve Peichel says a lot of nice things to all the fans and players. The, 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 you know, the team personnel had been gathered there uh, for this moment. And when Rutgers popped into the bracket, Brian, it was almost like everyone was just momentarily stunned. Like it, they, they just, it happened so quickly uh, that I don't think people were ready for it and expecting it. And then, you know, just a real nice scene, jubilation, Geo Baker, Teary, teary-eyed moment hugging his, his longtime teammate, Luke Nathan. I mean, it was just really a nice moment. Yeah, you saw a lot of hands going on heads and people almost in disbelief. I think the players, as much as fans, as much as us, were really not sure what to expect. And like Gio said, in Rutgers fashion, they could have either waited all the way to the end of the show to make people wait or not even put them in the field. I think people don't realize how, like, Rutgers was the second to last team in right? Obviously because of some bit stealing, but Rutgers is in historic fashion, is in the tournament in historic fashion because no team that has a resume like theirs has ever made it, which is why those hours were so tense. It's why Steve Peichel gathered his team before the selection show and said, hey guys, we did some great things. We should be in, but we don't really know. It's why everyone was, the, the room, you felt the tension in the air. You get, you know, Pat Hobbs coming up to us and asking us if we heard anything. We're asking him if he's heard anything. And everyone's <laughs> right. kind of just like, what the hell is going on? So I think you felt that more than excitement, you felt just relief in the room that they're in and they're going to Dayton. And then from there, people were kind of just who they're playing, where they're going is just secondary. And kind of like in your column, you embrace Dayton because you're in and that's all that yep. really matters. 
Yeah, and and there's first a lot of relief, and I funny talking to Geo Baker afterward. He wanted to watch the selection show in his apartment, from probably from behind his couch. You know, he and and I I was certainly happy for him because, I, and I remember the way he was after losing that game in Houston, uh, to Houston, I'm sorry, in Indianapolis last year, just sort of devastated by the way that game unfolded, and, and admitting that he didn't think he he, he was ever going to get over that loss. Now he has another chance, Cratch, and that's all this. Team wanted was just an opportunity to be in the field to prove that the team we saw in February is the team uh, that matters, that those November losses are long in the review mirror. It's, it's an opportunity. No doubt. I gotta say, I was stunned. I was not at the party. I was at, you know, watching on TV, how quickly everything got wrapped up. Mm-hmm. You know, you think I got kind of lucky, you know, you guys got kind of lucky. It was like, you know, since the, the past disasters reveals they're, they're kind of snappy with these things, but to have records come off the board quickly. I mean, I think in hindsight, you're like, Oh, that's right. They might have to play Gonzaga at some point. So that kind of like takes a little bit of the shine off of the whole situation, but no, it's a, it's a chance for them, a chance they deserve. I think it's obvious if you watch, any basketball games this is one of the top 68 teams in the country probably top 50 or so they deserve to be in the tournament it's a good matchup if they can defend the three-pointer against Notre Dame I think I shot to move on Notre Dame doesn't score a lot of points and then you got a matchup with Alabama kind of a gimmicky offense maybe you got a shot there so I like the draw Rutgers has gotten I think that if you're a Rutgers fan you were hoping they'd be on the east coast obviously they're gonna be in the west regional Dayton to San Diego, then potentially to San Francisco. So, but I think it's a good draw for them and a chance to make some noise. All right, what do we know about Notre Dame? This is a good question. Let's do a quick rate, Town Fonseca. Second place, fifteen and five in the uh, ACC. That used to mean something. (laughs) Clearly, the ACC not what it's stacked up to be. Mike Bray, an excellent basketball coach. This program has an identity. Uh, you know, in a lot of ways, an identity that that you know Steve Peichel can relate to. Shoot a lot of three pointers. Um, you know, this is not the best Notre Dame team, but you know, I don't think anybody should take this take this game lightly. I agree. Uh, I can't tell you I've watched most Notre Dame this year, to be honest with you. And as you alluded to, the ACC is having a down year. That's putting it nicely. Uh, but they won 15 games in the conference, which is never easy. That's a sign of a good team. They have a great coach. They've been here before. They've won games in this tournament before. Um, but it's as good a matchup, I think, as Rutgers could have gotten. Wyoming was a team they could have gotten. And they have a kid in Hunter Maldonado, who's going to be a star in this tournament. He has a chance of being like a revelation. So Rutgers is lucky to avoid that. Uh, Notre Dame has the one guy, Paul Atkinson. Uh, the center's pretty good. Dane Goodwin. Uh, pretty good. Those are some of the names I've seen. But frankly, if you're Rutgers, this is a matchup that uh, you're about as happy as you can get because they can they can beat Notre Dame. It's a toss em in uh, it's a pick em in Vegas. So uh, yeah, I think Rutgers fans should be should be happy. Yeah, and I, w- I will give them this too. And I give Steve Peichel credit for recognizing this and then bringing the cameras to to Selection Sunday and just embracing. The amount of attention Rutgers has gotten over the past month for being a, you know, a hot team, then a bubble team, then a controversial team, you know, uh, and Dayton continues that. You're on national TV. You got the whole night to yourself Wednesday night. Uh, I know you're, you know, I know you're not really quote unquote in the field yet, but um, the, I mean, it's just people are talking, more people are talking about Rutgers on the selection Sunday than Duke. And then that, and that matters. He understood that, uh, 
you know, and it's another opportunity. Again, I mean, teams have come out of Dayton. I know it's, it's, you know, it's a long way to say this is going to be another UCLA, but last year, you know, that team looked terrible heading into, into the tournament, makes it to the Final Four out of Dayton. VCU did it. There's been teams who have made it out of Dayton to the Sweet 16. Uh, I think, you know, I don't know how you feel about a Cratch. I, I agree with you that, you know, this is a winnable game. It's going to be another close, tight, low-scoring game. It's, they get the, they can face Alabama. I don't love Texas Tech hovering in the next game there. I've watched them play. They are really, really good. It is a loaded bracket when you've got Gonzaga and Duke as the one and two, Texas Tech as, as the three. But, again, you got a shot. No, they have a shot. They are, like – they are they're not in the traditional field, but they are in the NCAA tournament. I think Steve yes. Michael's agent will be making that point very clear. Oh, First yes. four, you know, with the $25,000 bonus appearance bonus happens. It's just, I think it's a good matchup for them. I think going to Dayton, as you mentioned, it's tremendous amount of exposure for Rutgers. I think Pykel, a guy who, look, I think he's, he's always been kind of like, I don't want to say, adverse to the spotlight but he's been spotlight hesitant i think in, in some ways uh he's really embracing it you know he, he's been out there all kinds of different forms of media you know i think it, as you said it to be going to dayton to be on true tv like that adds to the whole thing you know people get fired up at the first four i think it's a winnable matchup and i think the alabama game is a winnable matchup texas tech is gonna be tough i mean i think the idea that Rutgers could potentially play duke and you know be end coach k that would be that's way wow. down the road with, with something. Yeah. But can you imagine that? Like of all the, the double whammy of losing your last home game at Cameron to North Carolina and then Rutgers <laughs> ends your career. Right. Well, then benchmarked by Virginia tech taking away your last oh, yeah. ACC championship. Yeah, too. championship I, mean, I mean, that would really be a yeah, farewell tour to end all farewell tours. Good goodness gracious. By the way, I just want to say Mike, to Bray, one of, Mike Bray, one of the, uh, not, I mean, the coaches basically all wear like, you know, sweatshirts now, but Mike Bray fashion icon in college basketball the turtleneck and then he yeah. shifted to the big big collar open collar shirt but now you know like everyone else is just wearing a, a batting practice shirt basically <laughs> go ahead Fonseca you were gonna add something yeah uh I want to do it I do want to like look at the draw not to look too far ahead but this is a chance like if Rutgers can pull away a magical run this is one of the most impressive runs they could make because they beat Notre Dame they play Alabama who is a complete opposite style to them it's Rutgers on steroids in the sense that they win big they're really good games are really good and their really bad games are really bad so if Rutgers can somehow beat a team in Alabama that plays completely different as them they go on they play Texas Tech which is just the greatest defense one of the greatest defenses of all time you beat them you could play Coach K you knock off Duke I'm gonna have to probably carry you back to your hotel from you you're gonna be so excited for that one Steve uh, watching uh, Rutgers beat Duke and then you, if you beat Duke, you play Gonzaga, and you can knock off Gonzaga to make it to the Final Four. I know. I'm getting way, way ahead yeah, of myself. We're, we're people, pretty... people, people say I'm, I'm negative. Now I'm going Mr. Positive here. I get it. Like, this is way ahead of the line. But can you imagine Rutgers runs that gamut and makes it to that, – that's like that's, – that's a lifetime movie. Like, that's – they have a chance to do something really, really special. You've got Commander's Palace reservations in, in New Orleans already, don't you? This, yeah, you're going to be eating some jambalaya in a couple of weeks, the way you're talking. Yeah. Bird it would be something. I've never seen someone like me, baby. <laughs> it's Here, been, here's it what I'll something. say. I'm looking at the draw now. I don't even think Duke's going to get there. I'm to, I'm, Michigan State is going to beat Duke in the second round. Wow. You think so? Oh, oh. yeah. That, I, that would actually be, like, of all the ways, like, you know, Coach, like, Duke is clearly kind of just wheezing to the finish line here. And I, you know, think how great, you know, if you think about it, 
for all the times Duke has beaten Michigan State in a big spot, like that would be kind of, you know, kismet yeah. if Izzo ends it there. Plus, I just think, you know, when you have Michigan State, I watched the Davidson-Richmond game. The funniest thing ever I have to tell everyone, uh, my fiancé is a Richmond graduate. I never thought Richmond would be playing an Atlantic 10 basketball final where I would be more invested in it than the graduate of that university that lives with me. <laughs> She was just like doing her thing on a Sunday, and I'm like, "Hey, Richmond, might be about to take Rutgers out of this thing. Got to keep watching." <laughs> oh man, that is good stuff. Uh, all right, so yeah, I, you, you're. It, there's a lot of. I mean, this is that's it. This is the greatest. That's the fun of the NCAA tournament. Just looking at these teams and imagining the matchups and and, and seeing what can happen. I will say the fun will not be Fonseca and I trying to get from Dayton to San Diego. Um, Dayton, the sixth biggest city in Ohio, uh, does not have an international airport that will allow you to fly directly to, uh, to San Diego. So that's going to be fun. But if they get out there, you've, got, you've just got a, lot of, you've got a lot of interesting teams out there. Seton Hall's out there. I mean, New, New, you know, New Jersey represented out in Southern California. Uh, so it's going to be, a, for the fans who do get out there, um, it, should be a, it should be a fun weekend. All right. I'm gonna dump. I'm gonna jump into true or false here. Good transition, uh, and we're gonna have some Dayton true or false. I'm gonna test your knowledge on uh, the sixth biggest city in Ohio. Uh, ready or not, here we go. All right, Dayton true or false number one. Uh, Dayton is where the toaster oven was invented. Fonseca, true or false? I'm gonna go with false here. All right, Cratch, true or false? I'm also gonna say false. You're correct. It is false. It's where the cash register was invented and also where the machines that cracked the code of World War II. I didn't, didn't, didn't know that, but there's some good trivia for you. All right. Dayton, true or false? Number two. Dayton is called the Gem City. Fonseca, true or false? I'll go with true. It has a nice charm to it. It does. All right. Cratch? I'll say true. Yeah, you guys are two for two, the Gem City. Although no, <laughs> no one is quite sure why, which, of course, is hilarious in itself. All right, Dayton true or false number three. Uh, the Dayton Peace Accords ended World War One. Fonseca, true or false? There's absolutely no way that's true. <laughs> that's true or false? False. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, but there is, the Dayton Peace Accords was something, I think, Bosnia, Herzegovina, some, some sort of conflict in the, between Serbia and the, in the 1990s. There was such a thing as the Dayton Peace Accords. Congratulations. You guys have an official citizenship in Dayton. All right, All right. another true or false on topics. Uh, forget what happened Sunday. Steve Peichel must upgrade the non-conference schedule. Fonseca, true or false? A truer statement has never been said on this podcast. Cratch, uh, true or false? Yes, very, very, very true. Follow-up question, true or false? Don't worry. He will upgrade this schedule next year. Fonseca, true or false? False. Cratch? <laughs> true. Wow, all right. We'll get to that one in a minute. True or false? The RU screw was still in effect with the game times for Rutgers, Fonseca, did they get an unfair game time in the tournament? True or false? I would not call it unfair for them. I would call it very unfair for you and I. Okay. So you say false. Are you screwed, Cratch? True or false? I'm going to say false. I mean, these guys, they travel charter. You know, yeah. they 
the game, yeah, the game is late, but like they can set up their clock. I mean, all they have to do is play a basketball game, and it's spring break, so they don't have to worry about courses or classwork or anything. Really, they can work around that stuff. Yeah, I think you know. So, I mean, like, like here's the thing: it's four o'clock Friday Eastern time, correct? Or is it? Yeah, yeah okay. Yes, that's a little. Bit, that's a little bit tough. But it's like, tough. it's tough. Yep. But they. But they, you know, the Big Ten's had them. This is why the Big Ten plays games at nine o'clock on a Tuesday, I guess. Yeah. You know, because now you got yeah. that turnaround. Look, it's a tough turnaround, but it's also it's March. It's March. This is what happens. This yeah, that when you're in Dayton, this is what happens to you. Uh, all right, true or false? The Big Ten tournament double buy turned out to be a bad thing for the Scarlet Knights. Fonseca, true or false? False because they're in the NCAA tournament, so it doesn't yep. really matter. Doesn't matter. Uh, Cratch. False, because they could have played Nebraska, uh, Northwestern, yeah. or someone like that and lost. Right. Yeah, it is false, but I think that Iowa turned out to be a bad thing. They're really good. All right, and finally, true or false, spring football. This is still no Vetrals football team. Cratch, true or false? False. <laughs> false. Okay, Fonseca, you go false. I haven't seen a minute of it, so I don't know what the – I'll go true right now. True? All right. All right, let's talk about it, Crash. You've been down there. We'll get back to basketball in a minute. But but give, give us the spring football report. Look, it's nothing drastic yet, but I just there's been enough signs that this is slowly eking towards where we always thought it was gonna go. Gavin Wimsat looks physically okay. transformed. He, he they're they're sheer. Really? So. Oh, he's he, he's been in a weight room. He looks bigger, you know. I mean he's clearly mm. you know, matured. You know, had a full off-season program and everything. It's just we haven't really seen much, you know, in terms of, like, actual football. You know, they're very early in spring practice and everything, and you only can learn so much from a spring practice. But I just think the fact that they're sharing reps, the fact that they're going through this process, to me, indicates we are slowly working our way to the point where he is going to overtake Mitchell and be the starter against Boston College. Right. Any other developments down there for, for, for football? Normal spring. Normal spring, you know, offensive line, you know, they're, they're big guys, all the transfers they brought in. So you kind of hope that, I mean, that's yeah. going to be the story of this season is going to be the transfer portal guys, specifically the offensive linemen. Can they turn this around? Because it, 2020 transfer portal class was tremendous. Got a bunch of players who have helped out. Uh, 2021 class kind of underwhelmed, although if Christian Braswell and Josh Youngblood are healthy this year and contribute, the perception of that class will change a little bit. This 2022 class needs to day one plug and play starters and produce the two receivers, the four linemen. Uh, they have to get mm -hmm. it done. That's the only way this team is going to get over the hump is if they can block and they can get the ball down the field. Right. All right. Uh, other topics in the in the true or false as a schedule. Obviously, it would have been had they not gotten in. We've, that would have been the major topic of conversation. Uh, again, I I I think the problem is not Lafayette, as you pointed out, Cratch accurately on Twitter, or, or even losing to Lafayette. It's it's that you, the other games where you don't you don't give you didn't give this team a chance to play in a neutral floor and one of these tournaments uh, where it would have helped the net. And I think that's. I don't think it needs to be some sort of radical redo. Uh, and, and tell me if I'm wrong, Fonseca. Do you think this is that this is a this is a scratch, you know, scratch what you're doing and start over thing? I just think they need to add one of these events where you get some good, you get some good uh, non-conference teams on a neutral floor. 
Yeah, I mean, you have to add better opponents and more neutral games just to, like you said, be able to boost the net because those games, if you lose them, the downside is nowhere near as bad as if you lose to Lafayette. I think losing to Lafayette is a major problem, as contrary to your guys' point. You just can't lose to Lafayette. Had they beaten Lafayette, they would be in the field, like, fairly safely, I think. Their net would be, like, 10 points higher, right? Like, you, you – I guess if you – I don't think he's going to stop – Rutgers is going to stop scheduling these, like, sub-300 Ken teams. It's part of Steve's philosophy. He wants to help the team, you know, ease into the season, help the young guys get some minutes and develop. But you can't schedule five of them. You obviously can't lose to them, right? But that, you know, that is what it is. You can't schedule five of them. You have, and if you're going to schedule bad teams, maybe schedule a, you know, a sub 200 Ken Palm team or like a mid 200 Ken Palm team, a team that if you beat is good for the net. And if you lose to is not like season shifting. Oh my God, are we going to miss the NCAA tournament because we lost to Lafayette bad, right? I think they will. I think they will take a lesson from this. It's just a matter of, A, how much of a lesson? How much are they going to change? And, B, are teams going to be willing or are these events going to be willing to have Rutgers in them? I think so. I think Rutgers has developed itself into a draw, but we, don't, we won't really know until you know, it happens. So we shall see. But the point is that, yes, this, they can't have six sub-300 Kampom teams ever again. This team is too good. This team was way too good. For them to do that, yeah, way too good. Yeah. It, it, it should have been a six seed. You should have been talking about this. We should have been talking about them as six or seven. Where are they going to play? Not if they're going to get in. That that was the that was really the jarring thing. Right. The thing is, if you're going to call this your best team yet, which I mean, it, they look more and more like that with yep. each passing game. If you're going to call them that, you know, schedule like it. Play a good team. Get in, you know, a neutral court game against, you know, an Atlantic Ten team or whatever it is. Play it. Challenge them. And if you lose, you learn. You're prepared for March and. Obviously, they were prepared for the end of the Big Ten slate, but maybe they'd be prepared to play Maryland in January or Minnesota on the road in January or whatever it is, right? So the upside to upping the schedule is all there, and the downside to staying where it is is pretty obvious given what we just watched on Sunday. Pratt, you want to add anything to that? Yeah, I just think a couple things. Like, one, you know, what I don't understand about the neutral court thing is it's not like we are lacking for a sufficient neutral court sites in this area. Like they could literally just yeah. book a game and drive to Newark and that would scratch off too. And Brian can tell me if I'm wrong on this. I'm pretty sure that if you play like a division two school, it doesn't really have an impact on the net. Correct, Brian? The net is only division one teams. Correct. So they can bring Caldwell in and win by 50 and, I mean, if they were to somehow lose to Caldwell, wouldn't it, I mean, it would impact them with the committee, but not in the net. I guess my point is, if, if you want to play these teams, maybe you, you have to play Caldwell instead of Lafayette in the future. But I think they're going to adjust no. just because the tweaks are simple. The tweaks are very simple. You just got to add one or two more good games. It's okay to play Lafayette. You just can't play Lafayette and Lehigh and Merrimack and Maine and whoever else they played. Just got to add one or two games. Just add it. You don't. You don't even have to go to the Bahamas on Thanksgiving. You know, you can find ways. You know, it sounds like they're going to play a game at MSG. That's a good step. You know, I might. I think they might actually end up playing two games at MSG because they were supposed to have. Uh, they were supposed to, they were booked to play Michigan State at the Garden in 2021. Obviously, it didn't happen because of the pandemic. Did not happen this year. I would assume at some point now that fans are in the stands, they will go back to the Big Ten. Uh, the Big Ten will go back to MSG. So they're going to get those games. They just have to tweak one or two things. And I think they have to advocate for themselves in the conference challenges. 
you know, no more playing Clemson or Miami or Pitt in the ACC. No more taking DePaul or whoever yeah. in the Gaffer games. They got to go bang the table and say, we want to go to Villanova and we want to go to Syracuse and play in the Carrier Dome or we want to, God forbid, we want to go to Duke or North Carolina. They have to advocate for themselves. One thing, right. yep. when you are going to play these bad teams, which I assume they're going to play, like Cretch said, two or three of them, you got to do what Iowa does and just beat their brains in. Just beat them by 30 points. You can't go to overtime with Lehigh. You can't beat Merrimack. You can't score 48 points against Merrimack. If you're going to play these bad teams, go full throttle 40 minutes and just beat the, the brakes off them. Yeah, Steve, Steve Peichel makes a great point about that, though. I mean, this isn't really what – I mean, it, there's different ways to win basketball games. Is that really what we want to judge a team on? And, and did this result – And I, again, I think they have to upgrade the schedules. I'm not saying – I'm not advocating the other direction. But did this result show that these metrics are just – just, they're just flawed? We could have – You know, I mean, did, did this season – We could have a philosophical debate about that. But I think, frankly, if you're a top 50 team in the country, you should be a bottom 300 team by 50 points. I, I don't – what, what, I guess, like, the, the, only op, the only opposing viewpoint there is sportsmanship, to which I say this is major Division One college basketball. You know, I forget for – sportsmanship is for the handshake line. When you're playing 40 minutes, you play it, you beat – well, I mean, the handshake line for some people apparently. But my point is when you're playing on the court, you play 40 minutes, and if you're 250 spots better than a team on Ken Bob, you should be – 25 yeah. to 30, 40, 50 points better than them. Like, there's no – what are you going to – what is Steve Pyle going to be nice to Central Connecticut, let him stay within 30 just because he knows, you know, Howie Dickman? No, just just beat him. Just yeah. beat him. And it's funny. We you know, we didn't talk about this. We should talk about it right now. But the end of the Iowa game out there, Fonseca and I were sitting courtside, and just the desperation in those final – with they're down 15 points and they cut it to 10 against Iowa with, with Paul Mulcahy diving for a loose ball in the court and, and I think pissing off um, – uh, you know, Fran McCaffrey in the process a little bit. That's not uh, really that to me to was kind of telling. I right, exactly. That's true. Good point. That was telling though because I think they're trying to get that margin to somewhere where it might affect the numbers. Um, yeah, I managed to piss off Fran. I don't know if I pissed him off, but I, I asked asked Fran. Fran, I thought it was a pretty simple question that big guys asked all the time about whether our Rutgers will, should be in the NCAA tournament. He said, "Well, I'm baffled by the question." Yeah, okay, sorry, Fran. You gave me a great answer though. That's all that matters. Uh, let's talk about Iowa. We didn't talk about that yet. The Big Ten tournament. Uh, it just was a crazy game. Uh, never seen a strength coach get ejected. That you always you always want new experiences as a sports writer. That was something new. Um, you know, I mean, I, I, I think it kind of showed two things. One, that I was the best team in the, in the Big Ten and got screwed with their number five seeding. Uh, but also, you know, it, it, it does remind you that this team does have, when they run into good opponents, I mean, there are, there's another gear that maybe Rutgers didn't have, certainly didn't have in this game. Cratch, you were watching. What do you think? Just real quick, and Dave, Dave Van Dyke has done an excellent job with Rutgers. Great guy by all accounts. I just, it was funny. I was texting someone. I was like, can you imagine if, like, a strength coach got a personal foul? Like, can you imagine what Greg would do? Like, oh I don't even gosh. want to think about Kidding that. Me? So, yeah, I mean, that, it, I mean, look, that can't happen, but I think everyone knows that can't happen. I'm sure it'll never happen again. I also think Bo Borowski, like, you know, come on, buddy, you know. It's well, the first like time it happened, you would think it would never happen again. And that, then it happened that, again. That's, that's true. I mean, you know, it's I couldn't just, believe it. I wonder if that's like a thing where it's like, you know, like a referee's like, it's almost like a pelt on the wall. It's like, oh, yeah? Well, I ejected a strength coach once. Yeah, <laughs> good 
when they're yeah, when, the when him yeah. and and TV Teddy when they're all at the Final Four, you know, at some <laughs> restaurant, they just tell war stories. Oh yeah, well, I got a strength coach, and like, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna get an athletic trainer next season, you know. That's great. Yeah, could be. Uh, any thought? Any final thoughts on on Iowa and the Big Ten tournament since we're out there for an extra day that we expected, uh, Brian? Yeah, a couple things. One, I think Dave Van Dyke had the very unfortunate timing of when he screamed that expletive and that that moment the entire arena was silent i was right across the court from him yeah it was was you could hear a pin drop and all you hear is him saying that word like i heard it like he was right next to me and at that point you know people could say what they want about bobrowski i saw a stat floating out there that he refereed the lafayette game as if it was his fault that Rutgers lost to lafayette which is just such a funny thought to have but anyway he had to tee the guy up he had to like you can't you can't have a guy scream that in your face everyone hears it and just act like it didn't happen yeah. Another, another thing, Iowa winning the Big Ten, huge W for metrics guys like me. Iowa had the best efficiency margin in the Big Ten going into the tournament, and they rocked everybody they played. That's a W. What, go to Ken Palm. He doesn't lie. And anyone talking smack about the metrics, take that for size. Iowa was very impressive. Iowa always scores a billion points. They guard now. They're good. Keegan Murray, National Player of the Year candidate. My Big Ten Player of the Year vote. I feel vindicated. That kid is good. Eight for 10 from three against Indiana in the semifinals. Have you ever? Yeah, that's, that's amazing. Insane. It is amazing. Insane. Nobody yeah. could guard him. Not even on, I'm not saying nobody on Rutgers guard him. Nobody in the Big Ten could guard him when he's playing like that. Uh, they can make a run. And to wrap up this metrics thing, Wisconsin was the Big Ten champion despite winning all these close games. Their metrics are not that good. I haven't watched much Colgate. I'm just saying, if you're going to pick a first round okay. upset, Colgate over Wisconsin. Wow. I don't, even, I don't even know who Providence is playing. I don't know who they're playing. I am South I am, Dakota State. They got the Jackrabbits. South Dakota. Oh, the Jackrabbits. Yeah, Jack, pencil that in. Jackrabbits yeah. by seven, baby. Providence. Oh, wow. Their luck has run out. These look. The metrics don't lie. Wisconsin or Providence or both will lose in the first round. Book it. And if I'm wrong, well, it's not the first time. But I got a strong feeling about it. <laughs> I love. The, right. I love the Midwest region because you've got you know iowa in there you've got richmond who i think showed some feistiness in the a10 final you got providence paper tiger you've got wisconsin playing in milwaukee like how does a six uh three seed wisconsin get to go play in milwaukee that's crazy to me you got colgate obviously usc miami the classic football two football schools play i'm really hoping for a kansas lsu regional final oh my gosh that would be the most embarrassing thing that could happen to the ncaa lsu three years uh, now we got the paper oh yeah well uh you know now we got to fire the guy you know yes oops wired the wiretap invitational we are we are appalled that everything we knew happened for the last five years is now on a piece of paper in front of us. And then Bill Self, who like Kansas just doesn't follow, like they just don't they, they don't follow the rules. I mean, and now I'm wondering if this is like this is like the last vestige of us caring about this because there are gonna be no there are no rules now. Yeah, you know, it's like it's gonna it's gonna seem quaint that we cared that Will Wade was on a wiretap ten years from now. But there's still some controversy there. So I would love to see LSU Kansas wiretap bowl. You know, that'd be great. Love it. All right, this is a perfect transition to insider questions because we've got a lot of questions about the field in general. 
everyone, thanks for subscribing. Rutgers Insider, text messages uh, galore coming up for you guys if, uh, when we're out in Dayton uh, about what's going on out there. So the first one, here, go right to this question. Obviously, I have Rutgers in all my brackets, pools because, of course, I do. Uh, if any of my pools allow a second bracket, who should I be picking to win it all? Gonzaga, Kansas, Iowa? Great question. It is funny because I don't. I still haven't sat down and really studied it because yeah, you know, the, the name popped up, and I've been you know typing ever since the moment Rutgers popped up in the brackets. I never really sat down and looked at it. Uh, it seems like Iowa is pop going to be a popular pick. I'm, I don't love Arizona as the number one seed. I thought Texas Tech would be a pretty good. If you didn't want to pick one of the top, you know, ones or twos, they're really good. I don't know who you got, Fonseca. Tell me, you're you're the expert. Well, thank you for saying that. It's very nice of you. Uh, so the, there's this golden rule of uh, national championships. The last 16 of the last 17 or something like that have been ranked or finished in the top 20 in Ken Palm in offense and defense, right? So that was the only one that was it was that UConn team with uh, Shabazz Napier where the guy just played out of his mind for a month. So to that end, here are some teams that can win. Uh, Gonzaga, Arizona, Kentucky, Houston. I don't think Houston's going to do it, but Houston fits in the numbers. Baylor, Kansas, uh, Tennessee, Tennessee sneaky. They Tennessee. obliterated wow. Texas A&M. Uh, UCLA, Miles Johnson, national champion. Nice ring to it. That would be funny. Uh, Auburn, uh, Villanova. That would that would be a, a bummer if you want to see a different champion every once in a while. I disagree with you. I think Arizona, great shot. That team really balls. Hmm. They ball out. They play insanely well. They're so fun to watch. That Pac-12 championship game was awesome. Uh, and Illinois, sneaky good, right on the margins. I think they're very good. And what would be really funny, I don't think it's going to happen, UConn, Danny Hurley, New oh Jersey boy. Gosh. Can you imagine that? Can you no, imagine that? Cannot imagine uh, one team, One team that's not going to win, Duke. Duke, they're not going to win. See, I'm, see, I'm, I, see, the moment Duke beat North, the moment North Carolina beat Duke uh, in that game, I, I immediately put $20 on Duke to win it all because I'm just – they, they have to. So I disagree with you there that, that there's, there's something at work. Cratch, who are you picking? Pick Gonzaga. Yeah. I just feel like eventually Mark Few's got to get it done. And I just feel like that's – I mean, Tennessee – like Rick Barnes is not going to win a national title. Let's just put that to the side. No. But Iowa, you know, I, I think I could see Iowa having a, a torrid first weekend and then flaming out in the Sweet 16. Don't think Duke's going to win it. Like, you know, Arizona had the big injury um, in, in the Pac-12 tournament, so I think you got to have concerns about them. I like Michigan State, though. I, I just think Izzo, that draw, he's got a couple manageable games. I think they could make something happen there. Um, I also, you know, it's just – I just have a feeling this is going to be one of those w- weird years where we see a lot of upsets early on that kind of clears the path for someone to – an obvious team to win a national title. I will go with the Zags. But I do think the Scarlet Knights are going – to win at least one game in this tournament. Wait, one game after Notre Dame, one game, or one, is that the one game? That, I mean, that could be the one game. You know, I mean, Alabama, the shooting, I just wonder if, you know, can they keep pace with a team like that? But I, I think they will beat Alabama, and we'll see what happens after that. All right, here's a question from Jamie in Sioux Falls. Again, our South Carolina Bureau is uh, buzzing. Uh, This might sound weird, but the fact that Rutgers was on the bubble for the last month, was it better in the long term for the program than being safely in? The amount of attention the Scarlet Knights have gotten since the beginning of February has to be beneficial, right? Uh, I think the easy answer is yes, but 
you know, the but on that is you, you also you don't want to just be the program that's hanging by a thread too. I think, you know, the, the teams that really get attention, like the, the lost attention last March when Rutgers blew that lead to Houston, where they would have had a full week to enjoy being in this spotlight in the Sweet 16 would have been immeasurable. So I think that there's more attention to be had, but there's no doubt, Brian, I mean, look, people talked about Rutgers. They were, they were a topic forever. This is a very nice spin. I could not disagree more. Imagine they won really? those early. Imagine they won those early games, and then they had that four-game win streak, and they were Big Ten champions, and they were a top-four seed, okay. and they were a top twenty-five team, and everyone's like, "Oh my God, are you seeing what Rutgers is doing right now?" Instead of being like, "Oh my God, is Rutgers going to be a team that destroyed the Big Ten and is not going to make the tournament because of Lafayette?" Maybe I was the only guy talking about that possibility, and maybe people were talking about Rutgers winning games, but I think that the ceiling for them having been really, really good, if they played the way they played in February for the first three months, would get a lot more positive attention and would get a lot more important attention because, yes, recruits like hearing about Rutgers. I think recruits want to play for a team that is a top-four seed and not a team that's like, oh, my God, we're in Dayton. You know, I think that there, there, there's a higher ceiling of attention there had they been good. Yeah, that, no, that's certainly a really convincing argument. <laughs> the other side. Uh, I mean, well, if well, they well had, played. If they had just, if they had won the, the UMass, DePaul, Lafayette trio, and they had won two of the three, and when they went one and three against the basement in that stretch, I mean, they would have been what, 20, 22 and eight? Yeah. You know, it, Something like that. Second place in the big, third place in the Big Ten. Yeah. I mean, like, that's pretty good. I mean, that's what's, I think, really quick, right. getting back to the schedule talk. They've barely gotten in now. I mean, last year they were, they were like they've been a double-digit seed two years in a row, winning double-digit games in the Big Ten, which goes to show you that they have to get the schedule. They won twelve Big Ten games this year, and they and they are in the first four. That's crazy. Yeah, it really is. It's good. It, it should. It should. Yeah, we shouldn't be looking. We shouldn't be booking flights to to Dayton based on that. You're absolutely right. Um, all right, uh, more questions uh, from Alex and Marlboro. Which bench player has to step up for this team to beat Notre Dame and go on a run? I mean, based on the Iowa game, it, it, it would, if anybody scores a basket, it'll be better than the bench did uh, in that one. You know, obviously the obvious answer is Dean Reber, Fonseca. Who do you got? Yeah, I agree with you that somebody has to step up. I don't necessarily agree with Dean Reber because that would imply Cliff Amore, Amore is not on the floor, um, right? If he's playing well, he's going to play 30 35 minutes or whatever. I'd like to see Andre Hyatt. Andre Hyatt was like rock solid for two to three weeks, hitting big shots, playing good defense, getting boards. Uh, if he can, you know, do that, hit some big shots, get a little double-digit scoring for the first time. Mawat Mag had a stretch early in the season before Michigan knocked his teeth out again where he was making some big plays, made some huge, huge plays against Purdue. Like he has the chance. It just hasn't come out of him recently. Um Jane Jones, still in the concussion protocol from what I understand. I don't know if he'll travel out there or not. I, I, I don't think he would play. He hasn't played in the past month or so. But this is March. March stuff happens. You need a guy, come in. I, I, I don't think it'll happen, to be clear. I'm just saying weird stuff happens. Uh, but my prime candidates, I would say, in order, it would be Mawat Mag and then Andre Hyatt. <clears throat> like those two guys, one of them desperately needs to do something. All right, Cratch, you take this one from Tony and Lawrence. 
How much of a crowd advantage do you think Notre Dame will have given their geographic proximity and national following? Uh, I mean, you know, but it could be the work the other way too. People also hate Notre Dame, right? So it's That's true. What do you think? I, I think they'll have an advantage, but I don't think it'll be like anything drastic. You know, I think Rutgers fans will be there. I mean, I think it's it's kind of weird. And that's that's kind of the thing. That, like, I feel like sometimes, a lot of times, we overrate the crowd at these games. Like, oftentimes, the, the t- first early round sites are just, like, airplane hangers. But, you know, like, no one's there. Yeah. You know, yeah. So, I think that, that's everything, too. It, it, there could be no crowd on a Tuesday night, a Wednesday night at 9 p.m. in Dayton, Ohio. Uh, absolutely uh, Dayton usually does a pretty good job with these games and there'll be some people there because it'll be Caleb McConnell's friends and family from Dunbar High School in Dayton we learned that one that Caleb McConnell is going uh, one of his uh, home cities so that'll be there'll be some folks there but yeah you're right it could it could it could be the opposite uh, all right here's a good one for you Fonseca from Rick in South Carolina sure it's out there but how is RU an 11 seed with a playing game does that mean Wyoming Indiana at 12 for the last two and the other 12 seeds were automatic qualifiers in Richmond? Yeah, I think that might be the answer. I'm looking at the seeds now. Uh, based on the entire – like when they see the entire tournament, Rutgers was 44th ahead of Indiana, ahead of Virginia Tech, was one the ACC, ahead of Notre Dame. I mean, is, that, is that as simple as why they're 11? Yeah, that sounds about right. So they were – assuming Virginia Tech and Richmond had not won their tournaments, it sounds like Rutgers would be in the field, right? You said – and you said – Indiana and Notre Dame are behind them, right? Indiana's forty-five, Notre Dame's forty-seven. Right. Yeah, so you're right. They could. They would. We would might be going to Dayton if they. If if only uh, Virginia Tech had uh, and uh, Richmond. If only the state of Virginia had a worst weekend this week. Right. Yeah. Well, that that is uh, a good sign in the sense that Rutgers was pretty safely in, and that shows that the the uh, committee was weighing good wins heavily a lot more than they were punishing bad losses. Um, so, yeah, that's an interesting uh, takeaway from this and sets a precedent for uh, Rutgers. Broke the record for the highest net to ever make the tournament as an at-large. This sets a precedent for uh, if you play good teams and you beat them, you will be awarded. So another reason for them to schedule up. Right. Good. Another one more from uh, the room. You guys were in the room when the announcement was made. Obviously, they were happy and relieved, but I expected more jumping up and down, yelling and screaming than we actually saw. Comments. Yeah, we addressed this at the start, and I think really was just shocked to see it come up so soon. Uh, you know, it's just try to describe the, the amount of nerves there. They're sitting in the second row. Michael, I told them earlier to prepare for the worst just in case. Uh, yeah, and I think I think they were – they were emotional in the other way, you know, instead of jumping down, they were just relieved. They were happy. They, uh, and they were curious, you know, it comes up and you want to see what's going to happen next. There's a slash there. You're like, all right, what's going on? Notre Dame. What's that mean? So I think there's just a lot of, I think there's just a lot of confusion in those immediate first 15, 20 seconds. Fonseca. You agree with that, right? Oh, totally agree. Yeah. It's just, you know, you ever, I'm sure everyone's been in a situation where they're, they want news. They're hoping for good news. They don't know what's coming and they get the good news. And it's just a, you, you can't jump up and down because you're so busy just like dropping your shoulders and relaxing and, and, and taking in the fact that things went your way. So I think, uh, I think it's the natural reaction. Yeah. I, I, I think the jumping up and down is more so if you get a good seat or a good matchup or whatever, this is just a matter of Rutgers feeling like, Thank goodness we're, we're in. Yeah. And the teams that jump up and down are the teams that know they're in. They've just got, they got the cameras on them. They're going to be number one seats. Gonzaga, hey, all right. yeah, we're in. It's a, um, all right, one more question. Uh, last one from Old Mark in Piscataway. Will Cliff stop missing dunks? Perhaps just laying the ball in would be enough. 
I have never st- will more strongly disagree with a comment because his dunk in the first half of we didn't talk about it, his dunk in the first half of the Iowa game was one of the more ridiculous alley oops I've ever seen. And just a reminder of why it's so great to see courtside because I mean he was I he was six seven feet above the basket. The ball was so far behind him that he had to reach behind he had to reach behind his back to slam it down. I mean it was just. A remarkable dunk. Please, Cliff, keep dunking. You can miss one every now and then. I know that was a bad timing for the dunk he missed in the second half against Iowa. But man, oh man, Cratch, this guy, oh, he is an incredible athlete, unlike any that we've ever had at Rutgers. He is a very impressive guy to watch play. And just to, to see him, just an incredible athlete. No, keep, keep throwing it down, big man. All right. Thanks, everyone, for your questions. I appreciate it. We appreciate it. We appreciate Dev- DevCo, of course, for continuing to sponsor and the Rutgers Insider. It's been a fun thing for us to do. All right. Uh, let's talk. What else we got here? We got the wrestling. What, what, yeah. When are you heading? When, what are your travel plans? Correct? I, what, I, what, leave, what, what, I fly to Detroit on Wednesday. Um, it's a three hour. I, at first, I was like, oh, I thought Dayton was closer to Detroit than it actually is. It's a three-hour drive and a 9 o'clock tip-off and start wrestling early in the morning. So I, I will be watching um, the game from Detroit. But we'll be out there. Rutgers is sending seven guys. I think, you know, Connor O'Neill kind of got a lucky draw. You know, he, he's a guy who's at an up-and-down season. Great experience for him to go out to a national tournament. He's not a guy who's really going to have a chance to be an All-American all likelihood unless something insane happens. But the other six guys Rutgers are sending, all six of them, I think, conceivably could get to the podium. Obviously, Sebastian Rivera is a serious national title contender. I think Greg Bolsack and, and John Poznanski, if Paz can kind of get out of this funk, you know, he's a dangerous guy. I think they can All-American – Mike Van Brill, I think, you know, has a real good shot to do it. And it'd be a cool story. Obviously, his, John, his brother, a couple of years ago, had a lead in the third period in the blood round, let it slip, you know, lost, failed to get All-America status. So there's been a Van Brill at Rutgers now for like eight years in a row. And this is Mike's last season. So it'd be really kind of cool for the family to get that All-American finish finally. Uh, Dylan Schauber and Joey Oliveri, first time going to the national tournament. I think they're guys who aren't favored to get to the podium, but I could see them making some noise. Every Rutgers wrestler has a really tough second round matchup because it's national tournament. I think that's going to be the big round for Rutgers, assuming they can win their first round matchups. If guys can get to the quarters, they set themselves up to only need one win to be an All-American. So I think that's going to be the big round for Rutgers to watch. Is Rivera going to win? I think he is. I think he is because he's he's a three seed. Jaden Ehrman from Iowa is banged up. The war industry has got a busted knee. Um, you know, Sebastian obviously had knee surgery as well, but his knee's in better shape. So I think he's a really good chance to get to the final. And then, look, we've seen him wrestle Nick Lee twice. They were elite-level matches. He was right there with him. I think he's got a really good chance to end his career and become Rutgers' third national champion. Awesome. All right. What else we got going on? We've got some baseball, softball, lacrosse, lost to Princeton, I saw. Uh, anything else worth noting before we sign off? Uh, no, I mean, baseball, you know, I think they split in Hawaii. So now they're going to they're gonna spend a little bit more time in Hawaii. They head out to a big three-game series with Nebraska-Omaha team that made the NCAA tournament last year. Um, they're off to a good start. You know, obviously, lacrosse is tricky now. That, like, look, there's no shame in losing. There's a ranked Princeton rivalry on the road. Same thing we've always done with the men's lacrosse program. If they, if they have another 
non-conference loss, it's going to get really tough for them to make the NCAA tournament coming out of the Big Ten, which is really strong this year. All right, fantastic. Well, plenty of time to talk lacrosse uh, in the coming weeks. Right now, it's all basketball all the time. Fonseca and I have a 7 a.m. flight gulp to Columbus because <laughs> you can't fly direct to Dayton. So we will be at the press conferences tomorrow in Columbus at the game on Wednesday night. And we'll be back on Monday either from – Montclair and, you know, from New Jersey, or we'll be sitting there trying to get to San Francisco. Who the heck knows? It's March. It's madness. It's fun. Everyone enjoy it. Don't take it for granted. And uh, we'll be back to talk about it. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Rutgers Rant. To participate in the conversation and receive live updates about the Scarlet Knights directly to your phone, sign up at nj.com slash insider.